We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. I've had the pleasure of meeting our guest, Robert King, the founder of Human Scale Corporation. We met with former governor of Hawaii, Lingle, in New York City with John Castle, leading entrepreneur. And Bob King is one of America's great entrepreneurs. He founded Human Scale Corporation 83 and has since served as the company's CEO. Under Robert King, who holds a Bachelor of Science in Economics from Boston University and an MBA from Columbia University, Human Scale is generally recognized as the innovation leader in the office furniture industry, with revenues of $400 million and over 1,000 employees. He also hails originally from western New York, even though we're taping by phone to New York City. So I'd like to first learn, before we go into your feelings about labor and wages and so forth, if you could tell our audience, what is Human Scale Corporation? Tell us about your company. Sure, Brian, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. Um, Human Scale pioneered office ergonomics and then ergonomics, workplace ergonomics, in the, uh, in the early 80s. <clears throat> no one really understood how important it was to, to work in a, in a safe way back in those days. And we, we've, we really um, led the charge, and now we're the, the global leader in workplace ergonomics from, from offices to, um, to healthcare institutions. Make, and we make products that, that, that make it um, healthier and, and more comfortable for people to work, right? So we take a, a desk. We don't make desks except for height-adjustable desks that allow people to stand and all. Um, but, but typically we take a desk that doesn't do anything, and we make it friendly for the, for the user. So we make task seating, and we're the leader in uh, monitor arms, task lighting for the desk, products that, that make make the workplace healthier and, and uh, a, a more comfortable place. Now let's talk a little bit about how big your company is. I understand you have 22 locations in North America, locations Europe, the Middle East, Asia. Let's talk about the scale of your company. Well, when I started the company, it was, it was my, just myself and, and one, one other person. And now, now we have about 1,200 people. Oh, in, in a number of countries, we have several of several showrooms throughout Asia. Um, we, we have showrooms in uh, Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, uh, and and throughout Europe, Dubai, and we manufacture uh, for the U.S. in in uh, two locations in the U.S. One in California, one in in the East Coast in New Jersey, and then we manufacture. Um, Wherever we are, we typically will will do manufacturing, so we don't have to so we don't have to transport all kinds of of products, right? Well, you've uh, grown significantly since 1983, with now 400 million dollars 
in sales and 1,000 employees. Let's talk about the growth, the process of that. Well, as I meant, what I would what I would say to you is, and this is one of the reasons we're we're having this show, of course, is that as a manufacturer, it's very very difficult to grow a company in the United States. Um, and I, I think that, in fact, I know that the reason for that is that we have the worst tax code in the world for for job creation in the manufacturing sector. And our our tax code is particularly onerous on the on the manufacturing sector. It's actually not not a big burden, other than the, the just the sheer amount of the tax on other sectors. But it's 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 particularly burdensome on the manufacturing sector because of the way it's the way it's arranged. Um, and as a result, it's been a struggle to to grow over these last 33 years. But but we've been successful. We've been we've been fortunate. We've we focused on innovation. Uh, we've stayed ahead of of our industry, the office furniture industry. Even though we don't make office furniture per se, and we tend to we tend to have not come out with a product unless it's significantly better, and even a, a different at a different level than the products that are that are available currently. Now, with Donald Trump being elected, I don't know if you know uh, Donald Trump. You both live in New York City at present. No, and it's a it's a big city. It's a big I, city. I, I, well, I let's talk know. about his program to cut corporate taxes from thirty five to fifteen percent. Is this going to help your business a lot? Um, it it won't affect us very much, uh, just because the way we're structured. Not not all businesses pay that that corporate rate. We pay ordinary uh, income um, rate, in individual income rate, because we're privately held. It would, it'll help the um, the publicly held companies. They they pay that rate typically, um, but it'll help. I think that sort of thing, reducing tax rates overall and tax burden overall, is of course going to increase, have an impact on growth. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Income inequality today, you, you, you told that we, we hear a lot about it, and you have census data. Uh, how unequal is income today in America? We're, we're uh, quite a bit um, less equal today than we were, say, in the 70s. Um, the middle class has declined significantly since the um, since the 70s for example in 1970 the middle class was about 60% of the workforce today it's about 49% of the workforce so that's a that's a significant decline um, you know what's interesting about that figure also Brian is that decline has exactly coincided with the decline of manufacturing in the United States so in 1970 about 30% of the workforce was included was um, working in manufacturing. Today, that that number is about eight percent of the workforce. Do you see with Trump that what he calls the forgotten man and woman, the middle class, growing in America with this new administration? I I don't. Um, I think I think. I think there's. I know there are things that we can do to turn this around, but I think we can't turn around the demise of the middle class 
without turning around manufacturing. We're seeing, we've seen the collapse of manufacturing year in, year out uh, since 1970. <clears throat> Something has to be done fundamentally to change that. Uh, when you turn around manufacturing, you'll start growing the, the middle class because manufacturers create middle class jobs. A manufacturing-based economy creates a lot of middle class jobs. Engineers, programmers, supervisors, designers, all, all kinds of people, quality control experts, and all the people that support factories. An interesting analogy is, is Germany. Germany has about 20% of its workforce uh, in, the, in the manufacturing sector compared to our 8% in the manufacturing sector. Yet in 1970, they had about around a little over 30% in the manufacturing sector. They lost about 12% of the manufacturing business and the manufacturing employment since 1970. But they've held on to quite a bit more than we have, and they have a they have a robust and dynamic middle class. Their middle class has, has grown, ours is ours has collapsed, and the the reason is is clear to see when you look at that data. Let's talk about bringing back manufacturing, and we have a manufacturer of wind turbines here who's trying to bring hundreds of jobs back to your hometown area here in Western New York. How can we bring back manufacturing jobs when union wages are so high and you grew up not too far from Bethlehem Steel in Lackawanna, New York that had 22,000 employees. Now there's zero there. So how can we bring back these manufacturing jobs? Do we have to lower union wages? How can we do it? Well, let me, let me, let me start by saying that we want to bring back some manufacturing jobs but not all manufacturing jobs. Mm -hmm. A lot of the manufacturing jobs that we lost, we should have lost, and it was good that we lost. And a lot of the jobs that, that Germany lost was very healthy for that economy to lose, and it, it's, it's natural for them to lose. That's, those, those things are what I call low-value manufacturing jobs, right? Lo jobs that require a lot of manual labor to make. So clothing, shoes, athletic wear, I mean, all these things that we take for granted that we can buy. You know, you can buy a pair of, of, of jeans at Walmart for, I don't know, $19 or something. So a family of four that lives in middle America can outfit their kids to get ready to go back to school without remortgaging their home. If we made all that stuff here, people wouldn't be able to get by. It would be ridiculously expensive, and it, it would be incredibly inefficient. We don't, we don't want the, those jobs don't belong here. It's not healthy for them to be here. What we do want is high-value manufacturing jobs. Germany has held on to those high-value manufacturing jobs, things that, are, that sell for a lot of money, um, things that don't have huge labor content, right? Uh, as a result, they have about 20% of the workforce in manufacturing, and we have 8% of the workforce in manufacturing because we lost the high-value jobs as well. We lost them all. We want to bring back the high-value jobs. Um, that, that's, the, that's the interesting thing. And I think when people think about manufacturing, they immediately think, oh, we, we, we want to bring back manufacturing so we can get a lot of assembly line workers. No. We don't need assembly line workers. In fact, a service-based economy, and we're in a service-based economy in the, United, in the United States, of course, creates a ton 
of service jobs, a ton of low-wage jobs. Mm-hmm. Just look around. You'll see plenty of people performing low-wage jobs. The, what we need are middle-class jobs, not low-wage jobs. So we're, we're not going to bring back manufacturing so we can create assembly line labor. We want to bring back manufacturing so we can we can create the middle-class jobs that support manufacturing, engineers, computer programmers, uh, supervisors, and so on. Our guest today is a great entrepreneur in the United States, Robert King, the founder of Human Scale Corporation. And as we broadcast from Montreal down to northern Florida, west of the Mississippi to 17 states and half of Canada, please uh, drop us a note to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 148. Two two six. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia, New Zealand. So if you're listening in Washington or Buffalo or Toronto, drop us a note. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our recent guest, Jordan Mulligan, involved with Muskoka, Ontario Tourism, uh, events with Blue Christmas at the Calvary Church, and Mo Nylon, who's involved with the commissioning of a ship in New York State with the Navy. Also, we'd like to thank Matthew Diebel Rogers with Human Scale for helping set up this program. A little bit more information about our guest, Robert King, founder of Human Scale Corporation. In addition to corporate headquarters in New York City, Human Scale has another 22 locations in North America and maintains an international presence with locations in Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. Human Scale's manufacturing facility facilities are located in New Jersey, Fresno, Nogales, Mexico, and Dublin, Ireland. And our guest today is Robert King, the founder of Human Scale Corporation. I'd like to talk about uh, how people blame low-wage countries like China for manufacturing's demise and suggest that taxing goods coming in from these countries is the solution. How do you feel about this, Bob King? Well, well, Brian, that, that's exactly what I was saying. Um, we, we don't want the low-value manufacturing jobs that, that China is very good at and, and other countries throughout Asia are very good at, at, uh, at providing. We want high-value jobs. Um, so if we simply put tariffs on, on goods coming in from low-wage countries like China, Vietnam, and so on, that is is simply a tax on the American consumer. The American consumer, the, the last thing the American consumer needs is another tax. It'll it'll make give, reduce their disposable income, and it'll it'll have a negative impact on GDP growth. So that's that's not not what we want to do for that reason. And there's another reason we don't want to put tariffs in place. And this is something a lot of politicians don't understand. Virtually every U.S. manufacturer relies on low-wage countries to manufacture high labor content parts and pieces that go into manufacturing the goods they make. For example, we, we make what many people believe is the, is the best quality desk chair in the world. We make it largely here in the United States. But parts of it require a great deal of labor. It's not productive. It's not efficient to make those high, high uh, labor content parts here in America. We have them made in places like China, uh, 
so that when we put them all together in New Jersey or Fresno, we make the best possible product at a, at a, at a reasonable price, at, and it's efficient. We can therefore provide a better product to our customers, number one, but also be competitive with other, with other products that, we com- that, that compete with us from around the world. There's products made in, in Europe, in Canada, all over that we compete against. It, it would be counterproductive to insist that all of the parts that, that are made that go into making a product come from the United States. It's, just, it's efficient to bring them in from places like China because they are very good at – they have low wages, and it's much more efficient. So if you, tar- if you put tariffs on those, on those parts and components, you're going to increase the costs of U- on U.S. manufacturers on top of everything else. So it's really increasing the burden on U.S. manufacturers to, to do that. Bob King, you've uh, written that by having low-value goods made in low-wage countries, families can now buy clothing, electronics, tools, toys, without second-mortgaging their homes. Let's talk about the economic empowerment for Americans with this situation. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. That's a very positive thing, being able to to buy products that are made in the most efficient way possible. And again, we're, we don't want or need these low-wage jobs, uh, low-wage assembly jobs. We have plenty of low-wage jobs in the service sector. We want manufacturing so we can have middle-class jobs. That means high-value manufacturing. And the way, to, the way to get that high-value manufacturing, by the way, is to allow innovative manufacturers to grow and thrive. And that's exactly what our tax code has not allowed us to do. If you're a high growth company, small but high growth, the tax code has a severe penalty, particularly if you're a manufacturer in the United States, which which doesn't exist in other in other countries. We're we're penalizing growth in the manufacturing sector. And if, if you look at, at what who creates jobs Almost 100% of jobs in the manufacturing sector were created by firms that are five years old or less. Basically, well over 99% of jobs created in the manufacturing sector in the last 15 years were created by jobs by companies that were under five years old. So those are the, those are the companies that are innovating and, and are creating new industries. We're not going to we're not going to bring back the manufacturing sector by trying to bring man, you know steel manufacturing back to the United States. That's that's gone and it's it's going to stay gone and it's it's probably appropriate that it does. We need to create we need to go after the new businesses and new industries and to do that we have we have to allow these entrepreneurial companies that are that are growing and creating these new industries to thrive and we haven't we haven't done that. Our guest today is one of America's great entrepreneurs, Robert King, founder of Human Scale Corporation that has revenues of of $400 million per year and 1,000 employees across the globe. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Montreal, or Washington, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio. 
500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet letters from Canada and Europe to the Rusk Report at ESPN Radio. A little bit more information about Human Scale and Bob King. They've garnered notable industry recognition and awards. ID Magazine selected Human Scale as one of the 10 most innovative companies worldwide in their annual issue, celebrating individuals and organizations that drive design. Bob King was presented with the Museum of Arts and Design 2011 Visionaries Award in recognition of leadership and design and commitment to protecting the environment. Our guest today, Robert King, founder of Human Scale. Now, Donald Trump has been talking about duties and tariffs, and your feeling is a duty on incoming goods from a low-wage country is simply a tax on U.S. consumers. Could you please explain that, Robert King? Sure, Brian. Uh, if you put a duty onto, onto goods coming in from, from a low-wage country like, like China, that means that good is going to cost that much more. That means the American consumer is going to pay that much more for the good. So ultimately, the, the Chinese manufacturer isn't paying it. Ultimately, it's the U.S. consumer that's paying that amount of money. And it's, it's going to do a, a number of things. One, it's going to make the U.S. consumer's life less pleasant. Number two, it's going to mean the U.S. consumer is going to buy less because they have less disposable income. And number three... For U.S. manufacturers that rely on on low-cost countries to produce high-labor-content parts for products they make here in the United States, it's going to make their costs higher and therefore not allow them to to invest in in new capital and equipment and growth. It's it's an anti anti manufacturing policy we have we have free trade agreements in the united states with 22 countries those countries include south korea mexico and among others we have a balance of trade with those 22 countries of over 12 billion dollars so the 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 answer isn't taxing trade and restricting trade the answer is allowing allowing trade to thrive without being taxed, without the burden of government on it. And if you allow that to happen, the U.S. will win. The reason the U.S. has lost high-value manufacturing jobs is because of the tax burden placed on growing manufacturers in the United States. We have an environment that literally crushes growing manufacturers in the United States. We should have a we should have a tax code that allows them to thrive, but we we have a tax code that is exactly the opposite. Now you also write that most U.S. manufacturers, like human human scale, rely on low wage countries like China to produce high labor content parts and components. Is this common for U.S. manufacturers? What your company experiences? Almost every single. U.S. manufacturer of, of high-value goods, like, like human scale, relies on, on countries like China, Vietnam, to produce high-labor-content stuff. That makes them more efficient, and it makes them more competitive with countries around the globe. It's a global economy, and you, you can't change that. 
So everyone in America is competing with countries from all over the globe. Making U.S. manufacturers less competitive by taxing components that are coming in from low-wage countries just means that it's going to be tougher to sell against European-made goods or South American or, or Canadian-made goods or Asian-made goods, for that matter. Robert King, our guest, the founder of Human Scale Corporation, has also written, the reason for this is that Germany has a tax system that allows growing manufacturers to thrive while we have the worst tax system in the world for manufacturing growth. Let's have your suggestions to improve this situation, to improve our manufacturing in the United States. The, the problem lies in, in the way we collect taxes. We have an accrual-based tax system, which doesn't allow for the investment in, in a growing company. If you're a growing company, you have to invest a lot of your end-of-the-year cash profits back into the business in the form of inventory, uh, capital equipment, accounts receivable. So under an, account, an accrual system, inventory is not deductible. Capital equipment is not deductible for for five years and fully deductible for five years and um, accounts accounts receivable is is fully taxed even though you don't have the money other countries allow allow you to, to deduct all legitimate business expenses immediately rather than waiting for a year or so to go by until until you can deduct those things that difference means means this if you're a an innovative uh, manufacturer and you're growing it say 50% a year your tax rate on cash profits at the end of the year will be well in excess of 150% i didn't say 50% brian mm-hmm. i said 150% at 150% of your cash profits, you can't grow for very long. It's essentially a brick wall that stops growth in its tracks. Growth, by the way, is another word for job creation. So essentially, the faster you're growing, i.e., the faster you're creating jobs, the higher the effective tax rate is. That's exactly the opposite of what we should be doing, right? We should give people a tax break if they're creating jobs, not tax them like crazy, Every time they increase their uh, their job creation rate, and that's exactly what we do. As a result, we don't allow innovative manufacturers to grow, and therefore, we have 251 manufacturing companies in the United States. 98.8 percent of them, 98.8 percent of them, are small businesses with under 500 employees. That's because they can't grow under our, under our tax system. We need to, to fix that tax system. The, to fix it, you simply allow companies, as they do in many other countries, to pay tax on a cash basis. If you spend $1,000 on buying new inventory, you get to deduct it. I'm sorry, we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We thank very much Robert King, founder of Human Scale Corporation, for being our guest, and Kevin Carr, our director of production for the past 15 years. Thank you for enlightening us about manufacturing and the U.S. tax code. Robert King with Human Scale. 
Have a great week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.